Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry. This is the podcast where we try and catch you up on the week. If you haven't been paying attention, if you've had a lot going on, if you just haven't had it in you to check in with the news or what's been going on in pop culture, don't worry, I'm here. That's the point of this hour or so, is to bring you up to date and just spend a little bit of quality time together, let's be honest. Um, I hope you've had a good week. It has been a grand week for me and nothing too wild, although I was DJing. Um, on Friday night in the Workman's Cellar, which I was not aware of because I'm 105 years old. It is in the space that used to be the liquor rooms. Um, and it was an indie sleaze night organized by Neither Nine. And uh, basically, I had had a chat with him for his podcast ages ago about indie sleaze, um, which is the name being given to uh, the kind of music that I listened to when I was in my 20s and that I absolutely love. And um, I had mentioned to him during that interview that I really wanted to do like a, a kind of club night or a party um, where all that music was played basically and um, lots of people got in touch with them afterwards and said I, you know they'd like to go to that night but I obviously don't have my shit together enough to organize that so he he decided to kind of get something going and I couldn't do the first one but he was so kind to ask me to DJ with him at the second one because I'm not a DJ guys like I know how to choose music but I don't really know how to mix or do anything fancy so I was actually really nervous because I hadn't done it in ages hadn't used decks in ages um, and I just was worried I wouldn't be able to do it but it was so fun I had so much fun it was just really gas crack to like pick music again and play it for people and um the vibe in the room was great everybody was on one and uh people were dancing on the stage it was it was so much fun i would love to do it again soon lots and lots and lots of fun dj i am not song selector that i can do and as long as you don't mind a little bit of rough a little bit of rough combination uh, in between songs um then i'm your woman um i actually would love to learn to be better at that though so that kind of left me with that feeling other than that the big event of my week was was um, I had a colonoscopy. Yes, that's right. Uh, I am an IBS girly, an intense IBS girly, and it has been so bad recently. So um, I went for a little colonoscopy. Um, my dad, my biological dad, actually died of bile cancer. So it's something that I like to, you know, and my doctor likes to keep an eye on, make sure everything's okay. It was all normal, but my God, let me tell you, I had forgotten the preparation of... Uh, Having a for having a colonoscopy is very unpleasant. Um, still worth doing, obviously, because we all like to know that our colon is nice and healthy and pink. 
I feel like I've said the word colon more in this five minute period than I have in my entire life. Um, anyway, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I think we should normalize this. It is a good thing to have done if you have any digestive issues. Um, and yes, the preparation is horrible, but uh, it's it's not insurmountable. And um, it is good to have the peace of mind and know that there's not anything serious going on in uh, my digestive system. So there you go. That's my update on my bowels. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, there wasn't a whole lot going on this week. Um, I am gearing up for my visit to Limerick on the 18th of October. Please grab a ticket. Come and join me. Um, I'm so looking forward to it, but it won't be any fun without you. I promise you I've got a great show lined up. There is going to be music. There is going to be chat. The guest is fantastic. It is well worth coming. Get your gals together or your gays or your theys or whoever it is that you'd like to come. Straight men, welcome to, of course. Um, And do come and join me. It's in Dolan's on the 18th of October. It is my birthday week. I'm going to be buzzing with excitement. And I promise you we'll have a lot of crack. Um, as I said, the tickets are available now. Um, they're only 16 euro. I'm not, not going to break the bank uh, for most people, though I appreciate that 16 euro is probably um, a significant amount for some people. Um, but it's not up there with Taylor Swift is what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean, guys? So the link is in the show notes. Um, I would love to see you there. Now, though, let's get into it. I know that there has been a lot of fear and trepidation since the announcement that Aoife wasn't going to be able to do the news slot on the podcast anymore. I shared that fear and trepidation. She was such an important part of the podcast. But we have to let her fly the coop. And she's she's off doing her BBC thing now, which is very exciting. Um, but I'm very excited about our new news contributor, Carl Kinsler is a journalist. He writes a weekly news review column for the journal.ie called Surreeling in the Years. So he's basically doing this job already in the written form for the journal. And he used to come on um, the show on 2FM, which you'll hear me mention when I talk to him now. And he was always really brilliant. He has a really smart perspective on the news. Yes, he's a man. I'm not going to make him apologize for that. Sorry, Carl. Um, But he, uh, let me tell you, his feminist credentials are absolutely intact. And um, I have so much respect for him and his work. I think he's also really funny and has a great perspective on things. So I was delighted that he's up for doing this with me. So um, I hope you enjoy this, our first interaction. And um, we are all going to spend time together and get to know each other better over the coming weeks. Um, But we had actually loads and loads and loads of news to get into. So we might as well get started. Well, Carl, I hope you're not feeling under uh, mega pressure because um, you are coming into some pretty heavy shoes uh, in this role of news reporter for this podcast. I Um, I, I don't think I ever thought I would be the new Eva Grace Moore in any capacity. (laughs) Um, And I honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can live up to the expectations that she said. Obviously, she's a fantastic journalist. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. I wishing think it's, her best at her new role. But. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, it, it's good to go a different direction. And um, there are obvious differences between you and Aoife. And I think that it's those are those are good to have. Um, but for people who don't know, obviously, as I said in the introduction, you are a columnist with the journal. You're already covering, kind of reviewing the news every week for them and surrealing in the years. You're a journalist. You've been working in media for years. But you're in Amsterdam at the moment actually studying media as well. Yes, yeah, so just in the last couple of weeks, I've uh, embarked upon a master's course at University of Amsterdam in new media and digital culture, which has been really interesting so far. Obviously, like you say, I've been working in media as a journalist for seven years. So it's interesting now to take the angle and the point of view of like policy and infrastructure within social media and digital media and the sort of 
material that makes it all possible from like platform labor to all the various different affordances that exist within digital media. So yeah, it's interesting. It's a totally different, it's like doing a 180 and looking at it from a totally different point of view. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been really interesting so far. Um, I heard on an episode you did two or three weeks ago, you did like a bit of a, a teaser as to who was replacing Aoife. Mm-hmm. And like, it's honestly the most exciting thing. I was like, oh my God, I'm a teaser. I feel like <laughs> I felt like how the script must have felt being like the secret electric pick. I was like, whoa, I'm being, uh, no, so that was like, that was very, very exciting to listen to. I got um, so many messages from people being like, who is it? Who is it? No and way. I was and like, so many of those people won't know who I am for sure. <laughs> they'll be like, who the hell is this guy? No, but they're um, going to get to know you. And that's, that's a really good thing. <laughs> and, um, you know, if you are a long time kind of consumer, I guess, of the, of my content, you might recognize Carl because he used to come on um, my show on 2FM sometimes to do this kind of slot so um, I have great confidence and I know that we're going to have a great time and we have some pretty good stories to talk about this week um, starting with the Tory conference which has given us lots to think and talk about and maybe a bit of a feeling of thank god we're not there but god we're too close. (laughs) Yeah it's been dark it's so it's gone on it took place in Manchester between the 1st and 4th of October and a lot of the core sort of policies that have been announced by Rishi Sunak and his ministers have been targeting transgender rights. Mm. They've been sort of targeting, you know, climate goals, reversing a lot of climate goals. One of the biggest kind of most eyebrow raising speeches was from Suella Braverman, who's the Home Secretary. She compared the sort of current status of immigration to like a hurricane, which that kind of like very harsh language that sort of dehumanizes people, turns, you know, people fleeing persecution into something akin to sort of a weather catastrophe. Mm. It's very scary. It's a reminiscent for a lot of people. Jeremy Corbyn compared it to Enoch Powell's river of blood speech that he gave, uh, you know, many decades ago. And it sort of, it does, it does sort of put people in mind of those weird, frightening sort of talking points that, you know, the Tories have traded in for a very long time. And it is, it is a bit frightening. The thing about it is, though, I feel like they're going about this all wrong. Like, I think they're they're betting on the wrong horses. Like, I don't think that the British public is as transphobic or racist as they kind of are hoping people are. You would certainly hope not. I've seen a lot of people speculate, a lot of English journalists speculate that basically what they're doing now is they're setting up their stall for how they're going to behave when they're in opposition come Mm. next year. It's going to be a general election December next year at the latest. Labour are polling quite strongly under Keir Starmer. So I think there's a very solid chance the Tories end up out of power. And it's like this is them practicing for all the wedge issues they're going to introduce when they're in opposition. And Mm. a lot of that sort of that kind of divisive polarizing rhetoric where you try to turn people against each other yeah so as you say fingers crossed this sort of backfires but they've really they've doubled down on it like one of the big slogans from the weekend was kick woke ideology out of science who even really knows what that means you know like that if this is something that I, I wrote about this yesterday and I was thinking that if you were someone even a really tuned in political correspondent or someone who like loves paying attention to politics if you were to hear phrases like that 10 years ago you'd be like what does what? that even mean? What are you talking about? Yeah. So it's just, it's such a, it's a really kind of strange uh, microcosm of how far things have come in the last even six or seven years. But I've also heard them saying like, you know, it's time for change. They keep saying it's time for change. And it's like, someone pointed out, but 
you've been in power for the last 14 years. So like, why is it time for change when you've been running the show? Like that doesn't even make sense. So it seems like they really are kind of speaking in flashy key phrases, hoping that people just kind of read the headlines and then make decisions based on that without any further thought. But then I saw a a tweet not a tweet, a TikTok, those are the videos today, um, mm-hmm. of a Joe, a politics Joe reporter on the streets of Liverpool and just like amazing person after amazing person just being like, they're full of shit basically. And, you know, we don't have any respect for them. So I, I it'll be interesting to see how it all really unfolds. Yeah. And that's it. Like you say, Liverpool, like there's these areas in the north that I think have very little truck with the kind of thing that the Tories uh, bring to the table. And it's funny that their convention was in Manchester because they while they were there, they announced that they wouldn't be extending this high speed rail line, the HS2 from Birmingham to Manchester. So it's like they turn up in this city, make this announcement that we're going to screw all you guys Mm -hmm. and then leave. It's such an odd dynamic. You know, there's really funny details that emerged. They had that picture of Suella Braverman standing on the tail of a guide dog. Yeah. Like that's something that if you saw in the thick of it, you would just be like, yeah, ridiculous to believe the trolley loads of champagne coming in 50 pounds a bottle. Like it's just it is it's funny. And like you say, things, you know, are the way they are in Ireland. You do sort of like you look at that and you're like, well, Jesus, at least at least we don't have to to put up with that yeah not yet um i think yes. we have to be careful but like not yeah, yet it's slope, like. i don't know if people saw joe lysett the comedian um wrote a really beautiful open letter to suella braverman during the week basically in reference to her uh, suggestion that asylum seekers were attempting to abuse the immigration system by pretending to be gay and he basically put forward himself and his company which he called homo hunters um to be able to fully assess whether or not people are or are not gay but there's loads of brilliant i mean hilarious lines in it but i just particularly liked um This line toward the end where he says, uh, naysayers may froth that as the child of immigrants, it seems strange that you would want to clamp down so ferociously on immigration. But I disagree with those woke, likely nonces. Just because you or your family have benefited from a system doesn't mean that system should not be smashed to bits. For example, I am vehemently against people pretending to be gay simply to achieve a better life, despite that being exactly what I did to progress in show business. It's just, it's all so sick and wrong. And um, yeah, as you say, the polls are showing it's not it's not doing them any favors. And hopefully that will continue. Um, now, speaking of our own government, though, uh, we do have a budget coming next week and the stories have started to float. What's it looking like we can expect? Yeah, it's, so this is an interesting budget because it's the first budget under Michael McGrath since he took over the Department of Finance from Pascal Donoghue in December last year. So Michael's first run out. It looks like it's going to be very much a repeat of last year's budget in many ways. It's going to be a lot of one-off payments again, like one-off payments of double welfare and child benefit before Christmas. Probably going to have an expansion of the hot school meals program. That's mm. something Heather Humphries is pushing for. Obviously, we don't know exactly yet. They've said a few times it's not going to be finalized until Sunday, but we do have a uh, an idea that it's it's going to be a lot of these kind of very things that the government will probably tout as very big uh, programs to help people that actually 
people will probably regard as very small changes. Mm. Um, there's probably going to be a change in like the standard rate ban for the income tax. Mm. That'll that's currently at forty thousand. That'll probably go up by another thousand or a thousand five hundred. Um, there's probably going to be a slight increase in the the rate at which you're charged universal social charge. Mm. So you've kind of got things like that. These are they're all going to be pretty small increases. There's probably going to be a small increase in the renter's credit. Mm. Last time around was I think two goes of 500 euro mm. that could be slightly more this time around mm. so it's it's a lot of things like that where it's certainly not going to be a giveaway budget you know oftentimes budgets are described as giveaway budgets last year was described as a bit of a giveaway budget and even last year wasn't that much of a giveaway budget mm. you know I remember I went out and I spoke to a lot of people last year uh doing vox pops to get their mm. you know sort of impressions on the budget most of them didn't even pay attention they were like yeah. no I I didn't watch it. I don't know what was included in it. And I would say this year around, it's not going to be anything dramatic. It's, yeah. it's you know. It's- well, even that renter's credit that you mentioned there, I think I read a story this week or last week where, you know, you have to kind of, in order to get that credit, you have to go and ask for it essentially. And a lot of people don't know that. So I think a very small percentage of people have actually claimed that. So, you know, it's kind of like, it's all well and good to say you're giving renters 500 euro credit, but if you're not actually making sure that they get it or making it clear how they should get it, making sure people know how they should get it, then really what's the point? That's that's definitely a big part of it. So like, yeah, I think it's important for people probably to tune in to, to, to tune in next week yeah. and like make sure they like can stay abreast of the various updates that do affect them. Mm. But like, there's not going to be anything revolutionary. We're not going to be getting like free public transport or anything. Eamon Ryan has actually said that they're going to because last year they reduced the price of, of public transport. Mm. I think this year that's going to be halted. They're not going to do any more of that. Mm. They're going to take the you know the money they make from public transport fares and, and reinvest it, is what Eamon Ryan says. Mm. So like there's nothing kind of in anyone's day-to-day life that's going to be totally revolutionized. Mm. Of course, charges on cigarettes will go up again. There's probably going to be a tax added to single-use vapes that mightn't come in right away, but like that'll almost certainly happen. Mm. Um I, there's also they they probably they're going to roll back on there was a promise of 25% reduction in weekly childcare fees mm-hmm. they've kind of rolled back on that that's not going to happen mm-hmm. so and that probably, was already rolled back on so yes, yeah so there's going to be plenty for people to be annoyed about i don't think people are going to come away from the budget thinking oh we're we're all a lot better off i think mm-hmm. probably it's going to be a fairly muted response to this year's budget okay well we will fill you in obviously uh, next week on the top lines around that what's going on this week with the there's the criminal barristers are having industrial action and the guardi are planning or have had i have not been paying attention which as you know is <laughs> is essentially the point of this if you haven't been paying attention we'll fill you in and i just am vaguely aware of things happening here so fill me in and fill everybody else in uh, too these are, these are two very separate things uh so we'll start with i mean they're separate in the sense of they're not they don't come from the same place but both of these industries yet do have major complaints um so we'll start with the barristers the barristers basically want their rate of pay returned to what it used to be before cuts made during the crash Mm -hmm. so there was like severe cuts made to barrister pay during the financial crisis that pay just hasn't been restored so you've got a situation where like they're doing this very serious very important work oftentimes so like criminal barristers these are the people who are representing 
you know, if you if you end up committing a crime or if you're charged with a crime and you don't have the kind of fees that it requires to get private counsel, and that's, you know, you're talking huge money, mm. you're going to get a criminal barrister appointed by the state. Mm. These guys are not being paid the kind of money you might expect. You're talking about 25 euro for a remand hearing. So that's the first time a person appears in court. You're talking about 50 euro for a plea in mitigation. So like, okay. Yeah, we're not talking about like crazy money here. I would have genuinely, I was like, I was in my head, I was like, I feel like these people are going to find it hard for people to sympathize with them. But I would have thought they would be making way more money than that. I think I think it's a, it's a bit of an uphill battle for the criminal barristers as well, because also another reason people don't really sympathize is because they, they defend criminals, mm. you know, they defend people charged with crimes. Mm. And I think that's a bit of a hard sell for the public because the public thinks like, well, oh, you know, what's what's the use of defending someone charged with drunk driving or charged with assault or charged with robbery? But in order for the system to work, we need to have really good, well-paid criminal barristers so that when people are falsely uh, accused or yeah some mistake we need we need really top level criminal barristers well yeah i mean if you believe in justice like you you yeah yeah Um, Yeah, so that's kind of the situation there's also they want to be paid directly so right now what happens is a lot of barristers are paid through solicitors so it's like the state will contact a solicitor the solicitor contacts the barrister and this is sort of like anyone who's ever freelanced in media knows that like chasing up payment can Mm. be an absolute disaster some organizations can be brilliant they can pay you right away mm. but and this probably exists in so many industries some organizations will fight to the death not to pay you mm. and they will take weeks and months and maybe years and maybe never pay you so what the barristers want is they want a situation where they're being paid directly so these are the problems that are facing criminal barristers right and um, the problems facing Gardi, so the Gar- and the Gardi, so they have they're doing they're not working overtime basically for all the tuesdays of the month in october and they're also going to do a full strike day, or I mean a strike day in as much as they can in mm. November. So this is obviously going to impact sort of, you know, they say it's not going to impact, say, emergency call outs, but it's impossible to see how it wouldn't impact those things. You know, yeah. if you've got a situation where the rank and file guardy aren't happy, yeah. obviously service is going to be a little bit more choppy. So that's what's happening. The problem with the Guardi is their roster is being changed by Drew Harris. Mm. Drew Harris, the Garda commissioner, and he is going from, I think currently the way the Garda roster works is it's four days on, four days off, 12 hour shifts. What they want to go to, what Drew Harris wants to go to is six days on, four days off, 12 hour shifts. yeah and like this is the guardy are not happy with drew harris the gra which is the body that represents a lot of guardy they had a no confidence vote in drew harris two weeks ago Mm. it was overwhelmingly against drew harris i think it went down 98 percent no confidence in drew harris sorry i'm still reeling at the suggestion of six 12 hour days is like, that, I think it's it's definitely six days on, four days off. Let me just make sure. Well, even still, hard. six days, like that does not seem right to me when you consider the kind of work that the Gardaí do. Like, you know, and look, I know people have feelings about the Gardaí. It's, but it's 10 hours. So it's 10 six, hours, still. Six days on, four days off, 10 hours. Still, still. Like, I mean, that doesn't change my position. Like, the kind no. of work that the guards do is very difficult. Like, that is undeniable. Like they come across very difficult people. They come across very emotionally taxing situations. They come across violence. They come across bloody horror scenes. I mean, these, you know, it is not an easy job. 
you know yeah honestly like no matter what your job is yeah exactly but to expect Gardi to be working at the kind of top of their ability working six 10 hour days in a row like that that seems deranged to me so actually I'm on I'm on the guard side it turns out (laughs) (laughs) yeah well they they definitely I think more broadly they do have issues with Drew Harris I think he's tried to bring in other changes in terms of like how disciplinary procedures work, you know, mm. when he gets suspended or what they might get suspended over. Mm. I think all of these things have sort of culminated in an atmosphere where like the rank and file guardy are super unhappy with the commissioner, yeah. which is, you, know, you kind of feel like that's, un- how does that work going yeah. forward? society how do you how is it tenable for the guy who's in charge of the guardy to not have the confidence of the guardy yeah uh, justice minister helen mcintyre has said it wouldn't be appropriate for her to intervene so honestly i don't know without would it not <laughs> it's, it's very hard to see how this gets resolved anytime soon obviously the resolution that the guardy want is for drew harris to step down yeah he says bulging uh as helen mcintyre is not going to remove him for the mm. time being yeah you know it's a very strange we had uh, there was one report there was a, a opinion piece in the irish times that suggested that all of this deep down is because drew harris is a protestant from the north i'm not sure <laughs> i feel like that's a bit wow. of a wild, a wild swing at a theory as to why this is happening i don't think too many people would agree with that yeah we're definitely in a situation now where it's there's a, a total breakdown of relationship between the commissioner and the actual guardy okay and like yeah. Well, so that seems like something that we'll definitely be coming back to. A um, few quick ones to hit before I let you go, Carl. Um, good news about the contraceptive pill. Great news. Yeah, it's this is part of the government's overall scheme to sort of give more power to pharmacists. The Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, has announced that the contraceptive pill will be available without prescription mm. for, I think, people between the ages of 17 and 30, or maybe it's maybe it's everybody. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a great, it's a great move. It's a... Uh, like I say, it's part of the government's initiative to sort of take the stress off GPs. Mm. GPs are obviously under a lot of burden and there's a lot of work that pharmacists can do in terms of uh, sort of examining people's health. And yeah, contraceptive pill seems like a no brainer on totally. that front. Totally. So, yeah. 17 to 30 is the age that free contraceptive contraception, excuse me, is available to at the moment. But yeah, I think that these are are a kind of a, a generally going to be able to be provided over the counter, which will just make I mean, it is so annoying to have to go to the doctor on a regular basis to get a prescription for the pill when nothing's changed. And, the, you know, it, it's just it often feels like you're throwing money into the toilet. So I know people will be delighted about that. I wanted to mention the bed bugs in Paris because I just got a lot of schadenfreude out of the fact that the bed bugs in Paris story coincided with Paris Fashion Week and every like famous person in the world was in Paris. So Paris is infested. This this story is actually killing me. This story is is really like causing me serious distress. <laughs> I honestly believe that we have shut down global air travel for less than this. Okay. No- obviously, as a journalist, right, you're supposed to really not let your irrational fears get in the way of like your factual interpretation of what's going on. But I am so scared of bed bugs. Like, <laughs> bed bugs are. I don't know if people know this. Bed bugs are so hard to get rid of. You need to destroy all your clothes. You need to like burn your mattress. You need to like crank that you need to get professionals in to turn the heat up in your house and even that mightn't work so and i know that this shouldn't i shouldn't just be trying to like instill fear in people but that's how i feel about the bed bugs fortunately we did a report on this yesterday in the journal fortunately it seems like it's a bit overblown it doesn't okay be as bad as the first few reports suggested like there's viral videos going around of like people seeing 
bed bugs on the metro. Yeah. But that's kind of standard, you know, in a big, huge city where there's loads of people living and, you know, the temperature is high. Bed bugs are kind of, they are around. They're an unfortunate fact of life. We do have to live with them. Ooh. There's no, a, a lot of the sort of government sources in, in Paris are saying that there is no proper increase in infestation. It's very hard to know just yet what the truth is because mm. obviously the government sort of has a vested interest in making it seem like there are no there's not an increase in bed bugs mm. so it's hard to know who to trust deputy mayor of, of paris emmanuel gregoire has called on the state to eradicate what he called the scourge of bed bugs in paris but then the the health minister said there was no reason for widespread panic uh, the transport minister said there was no need for psychosis or anxiety so <laughs> they're obviously trying to calm us down it's not really working on me. I'm still <laughs> panicked. I would definitely be terrified. And like, obviously, all the Ireland fans are going over this weekend for the rugby match. I know. So it's like they could be bringing those back to Ireland. They like, could. I, I'm in Amsterdam. I'm on the same landmass as Paris. <laughs> There's no. I just can't. It's just like. I've been, I'm really struggling to like maintain. My well, Carl, I don't know if like you're ever planning on um, having children. But if you are, um, don't let anyone tell you about lice because oh, um, they are, in my experience, just as hard to get rid of and totally unavoidable as a parent. I can't even hear the word lice without yeah. needing to scratch. Yeah, I know. Well, I've had them several times over the last few years, my friend. And let me tell you, it is no pleasure. Right. Um, and then we just couldn't let this go by without bidding an adieu to Airtel, which is finally, I feel like this has been coming for years, but like it, it's finally actually shutting down. Yeah, they definitely announced this a couple of years ago. Yeah. I definitely remember them that coming up. But yeah, it's next Thursday. They're finally going to pull the plug on Airtel, which there's something really sad about it. Even yeah. though I think the likelihood is probably that nobody uses it anymore. Yeah. It's just sad. It, it makes me think of like Hal in A Space Odyssey 2001, <laughs> where they just like pull the plug on him. And I'm kind of hoping that like it's not a situation where Airtel has like become sentient and yeah. like plead for its life you know like you like switch on airtel and it comes up in like huge green letters like please don't kill me like imagine um, the day after they shut it down we all turned on our tvs and like no matter what kind of tv you had it was just airtel <laughs> no imagine it could be like some skynet from the terminator kind of thing i think yeah that's but it's it's all part of supposedly rt's plan to modernize which is like understandable you yeah. know i get but i it just feels like there's room in the world for airtel still i think what somebody what some clever you know, coder or programmer should do is come up with like an online Airtel. Yeah. And recreate Airtel and have it online. Totally. It's, it's, it's just such a funny idea. It wasn't really a big part of my job. I think even in, I kind of grew up with Google for the most part. Yeah. But I do remember checking cinema times on Airtel and yeah. the thing of when you'd be looking for your movie and you'd be looking at the times and then it would cut to the next page of movies. Yeah. And you have to wait like 20 uh, minutes. <laughs> Just forever, just forever for the movie yeah. to come back. Which is just such, it feels like even at the time it wasn't state of the art. You know, no. it feels like it wasn't even good for Yeah. Men. I know. I, I was just thinking, I remember going on holidays now, 20, probably 16 years ago, and meeting another couple on the holiday and them telling me that they'd bought their holiday on Airtel. Um, like, because Airtel <laughs> used to show holiday deals. Of course you did. Um <laughs> Which is wild. On it and they said that you used to be able to check the CAO points on it. That doesn't, that seems impossible. It seems this impossible and yet here. also totally feasible to me. I don't know. What can't yeah. Airtel do? I mean, RIP Airtel, uh, we, we loved you. We needed <laughs> you. We no longer do. But um, please don't 
as Carl said, become sentient and take over our lives. Mm. Okay, Carl, I'm going to let you go. Thank you so, so much, Carl Kinsla. Um, you can read Carl's column on thejournal.ie. It's surreally in the years if you want more recapping from him. And we will chat again next week. Thomas Kane Byrne, a.k.a. TKB, and Gemma Dunleavy are two artists I have admired for, well, years now. You may know TKB from his television work as an actor in Darklands or maybe the film Deadly Cuts. He was in Derry Girls, among other things. But he's also a brilliant playwright and theatre maker. Um, I absolutely love his work. It's wildly entertaining, but it also brilliantly reflects the lives of people from inner city Dublin, where he's from. And I have to say the same can be said for Gemma Dunleavy's music and performance as her 2020. EP Up to Flats reflects. I was genuinely so excited when I heard that these two talents were coming together. It kind of felt like really obvious when I heard it. I was like, of course they should make work together. And this week I got to catch up with them to hear about that work and their feelings about the representation of working class people in the arts and media and just a general catch up as well. I hope you enjoy. Well, what a pleasure it is to be in the Axis in Ballymun with TKB and Gemma Dunleavy, uh, two people who I have admired separately for a long time. And, um, and Same, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you're coming together to work on something together, and that is so exciting. Yeah. How yeah. did it happen, Gemma? It seems really obvious that we would work together, right? But yeah. like hearing someone else say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Um like me and Thomas obviously are from the same world. We have the same experiences and obviously that spilled into our work, right? Um, and we've admired each other's work as well from a distance. I've gone to see Thomas's plays. Thomas has always been very vocal about how much he supports me music and how much it resonates with him. I, I think I played the EP like 50,000 times during <laughs> lockdown. It, like, mm, you're <laughs> not the only one. <laughs> oh my God. And I, I wrote a show called Rare and Aspiring for yeah. Dublin Theatre Festival a few years ago. I loved it. Yeah, oh, thanks so much. <laughs> was Set and Sun, I think it was track three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, um, well, was it track four after the intro? After the intro, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. 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 <laughs> Excuse me, Encyclopedia Brown. But I, yeah, you know, I just, I played it on repeat writing where in a fair and it just spoke to what I was and it's so rare that you would find it was like as if it was like I put a message out on the internet and said can someone write this song I'm writing this play can someone write this song to inspire me mm. so I literally wrote the whole show with that playing on repeat and then I was like I have to fucking use this song mm. so I got on to Gemma and she was like absolutely and then I think it started with a voice note wasn't it at yeah. like 12 o'clock yeah. <laughs> I'm funny that you say that because I'm working on this play and I'm making the music for it and you know like we were developing the, the the personalities of the characters like as we went along mm-hmm. right for age so thomas had this uh, incredible idea for our play that i felt like someone could have plucked out my head mm. so when he's saying that about the about you know it's like he put a message out on the internet and so it said someone write this for me i feel like he has written the backstory to where my songs come from yeah you know so it's it just feels like a jigsaw puzzle that was inevitable, but yeah. it happened at the right time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because mm. um, I was going to say, like, as well, it'd be great to take the Up The Flats EP and do a character for each mm. song. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's a particular character in this play, Tessie. And subconsciously, I feel like I've already written the character for Set and Sun, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So so tell us about the play then, for people who don't know, what's the what's the general situation? So it, it's called He Sits of a Tuesday, and it's about these six women and a girl who wait in a politician's office for various reasons, and they're in like various, what would you say, stages of distress and yeah. need. They're and all there because they have a problem. Yeah. And it's all different problems. Yeah. And they come together in this office. Yeah. 
and I think a, a problem that due to like the, the socioeconomic situation, yeah. the solution to that problem is out of their hands. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they've come to this politician's office for help and he never shows up. Right. But they keep going back every Tuesday because he sits of a Tuesday and um, he never shows up but their stories start to kind of like intertwine yeah. is intertwine intertwine I like intertwine intertwine and in some of the characters cases unravel yeah. mm-hmm. and even though we never see this man we purposely never see him because as I've said before if there's something to be said by a man in theatre particularly Irish theatre it's already been said <laughs> you know what I mean so and I obviously I'm recognising my privilege here don't at me but even though he never shows up I think this the star of the show becomes the female spirit right. and the resilience of that, and particularly the Irish female spirit. And for those of us who grew up in an Asher Ma household, not an Asher Da household, yeah. you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And that experience of going to sit in a politician's office to look for a solution to a problem, like that is something that would be very common in your communities, right? Mm-hmm. But there are mm-hmm. a lot of people who probably don't know that that's that that's a very common thing that people yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, well, the kind of, the way it would be is say, Years ago, uh, when the politicians are coming around, they'd be doing anything for a vote, right? Right. And number one. Yeah, because you're number one, you'd get number one, two, three, right? And um, like you do now, but they'd come around looking for their number one vote and uh, they'd always be looking for something to help you with, you know, so that when the voting came around, you'd get their vote. And different TDs would sit in their offices on different days and... People were literally, you know, at the end of their tether, no resources, no money, no support, um, no energy. And uh, th- their last hope was going to this politician's office because, th- th- you know, that's the, that's, it was Salt who was like the god of the area. Yeah. I'll go up to him, mm. he'll, he'll. And so that's where you'd flock and you'd see, you'd, you would, you'd see everyone who had the problem. You'd see someone who's trying to get their house sorted. You'd see someone who's, you know. Um, and by house sorted, we mean actually get a house, get a house. not get, get the home. house done up, you know no, what I mean? No. Like, yeah. Or like just, you know, there's leaking or an infestation somewhere. Everybody went there and, and everybody, everybody that went there is, is in the same state of passion and pain. Mm. And still in those places they were shrouded in humour, darkness. So these six women come together and they kind of like combust and there's friction and there's disagreements and there's arguments, but inevitably they kind of all come together in this shared pain and they nearly all come together to, as one, as one woman, like as Thomas said, to represent the, the spirit of, mm. the, of the resilient mm. woman in the absence of the man because mm. he doesn't show up and he yeah. has never showed up. And, you know... Th- does the, the question of do they need the man to show up because this is what they're used to yeah you know and um and they, they have each other at the end of it as cheesy as it is to say like yeah. they, mm. they do have each other at the end of it yeah. um it's interesting because you know you do you use the phrase they're the god of the area like mm-hmm. so you know you need these people but at the same time they might not show up physically yeah and they might not actually show up when it comes to helping you so what do you how would you describe the relationship between local politicians and communities the communities that you grew up in mm. i think transactional would transactional, be the word i would yeah. use but i have to say and that's not to say like there are like in any like walk of life or any kind of um, line of work there are good ones of course now you can yeah. count them on one hand but there are good ones <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean yeah. I feel like the, the meaning of politicians for us you know me. I'm, I'm going to speak from from personal perspective but I do know also from family members and people that have grown up around the the relationship with politics is only transactional because when you're on the red line and you're fighting to nail to 
you know, literally just keep your house afloat and you don't have, like, you're, you're, you know, the Maslow's hierarchy and needs. Yeah. You, you're not, you're not opening a self-actualization. You're literally yeah. just on the, I don't know, on you the know, basics. The, the, the basics, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have the luxury of sitting and thinking about, see this idea of left wing, white, white, left wing, right wing. I didn't hear about that phrase until I was about 20. Do mm. you know what I mean? Because it just wasn't something that mm. ever was floated around. Mm. It didn't exist because that politics has existed because you needed help. Mm. And that's who the politicians mm. were. Yeah. So the reason why I say transactional is there doesn't necessarily mean always bad. You know, there was politicians like, I'll, like, you know, and there's politicians who would help you and do good for you. And then when you get older and you get to that point of self-actualization and you might look into what their beliefs are or their background and you go, oh God, like there's some stuff that, you know, yeah. like, you know, maybe I remember looking up around the time of the repeal the eighth and I remember you know, politicians that really helped me out. They weren't against it, but they weren't lobbying to do anything about yeah. it. And in that moment, I had to go, hang on, mm. this is where we stop being black and white. Mm -hmm. This is where we go, there's light, and there's light in everyone. And yeah. it yeah. exists in different shades. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can't, I'm not going to block her out now because she helped me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not, you know. Yeah, you know. it's interesting though, because what you're kind of saying, and, I, and I, it makes total sense to me, is that it's almost a luxury to actually consider you know, someone's individual politics when mm -hmm. if what you need is to put food on the table or have somewhere to put your kids to bed. Absolutely. Yeah, if you if you need if you need to get someone in a rehab programme, you're not gonna care about who's gonna vote against what you believe in for your future in the next election. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're not because you're you have to get the yeah, job. You done. can't even think about the yeah. future. You're living in the past. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? Um, and you're living in fear of the future, so you don't you don't give a shit what's happening next year. You don't yeah. give a shit what's happening in your yeah. in the in the part of your brain that worries about self actualization. You're worrying about survival. Yeah. Exactly. Um, can I ask? Recently, just because I feel like it's kind of coming up organically, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I'm interested to hear your take. There's been a lot of conversation about working class communities recently in the media around two separate issues. One is antisocial behaviour in the city centre and young people and young people from working class communities being tired with kind of a pretty negative brush. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it on this podcast a fair amount. And then also the kind of protests that are happening in various areas, anti-immigration, mm -hmm. anti-trans, anti-vaccine, yeah. anti-everything. Um, and a lot of people, it seems to me, are very happy to like write these things off as, you know, people who we shouldn't even be bothered with anyway. And there's no parenting and there's no this and mm -hmm. there's no that. How do you feel about those narratives? Um, well, well, I think is I think First of all, I'm not excusing bad behaviour. Like, bad behaviour is bad behaviour. Yeah, that goes without saying. Where you're yeah. from. But, like, I think there are very different brushes that teenagers and young people are painted with depending on where in the city they're from. Mm -hmm. I think if you are from a leafy suburb, it's horseplay. I think if you're from the inner city, it's antisocial behaviour. Mm -hmm. So, um, and obviously I know, like, crime rate is up and all of this. But, like, at the end of the day, if you want change behaviour, then change the situation, mm -hmm. change the condition these people are forced to live in. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. feel like just in terms of like resolution and uh, socioeconomic evolution, like we've really taken 10 steps back with resources. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There was a time when the inner city was brimming with youth clubs. And don't get me wrong, there are amazing institutions still there, but they can only do so whatever much. resources are divvied out to them by the government. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever scraps they're given at the end. So as I said, 
you can't excuse bad behaviour, but as Maya Angelou said, you can only do better when you know better. Mm -hmm. And these kids, I don't think, know better, mm -hmm. you know? And there's, there's actually a whole kind of uh, moment in the play where, where we reflect on that. And I do think as well, like, you know, it's been said before, but just in case there's anyone listening that is of the mindset that, you know, um, like the, the person who lives in a middle-class life, who's looking at it through the lens of, oh, disgusting behavior in that area from those people, of course, yeah. or, you know, they're dragged up, they're not looked after. Yeah. It's a very privileged lens to look at that from when you catch, catch someone the exact same age, with the exact same, that's had this exact same, um, I mean, the same person who had a different start in life just yeah. because they're from a different area. And they're shrouded in fear and they're in a place where all of a sudden, somewhere that is um, already uh, lacking on resources gets over flooded with more things that drain the resources. No, it's not the, the, it's not the, the fault of what is draining the resources. It's the fault of who set that situation up, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's, to, it's really important for us to be thinking about hang on a minute, like if I put myself in those shoes, if I put myself in the shoes of someone who is actively, you know, uh, speaking out against wanting um, certain people in their community, say asylum seekers, um, why is that mm. fear? Why is that fear there? Yeah. And, and to, you can, you can bait someone with a stick and, and say that they've no education and they've no, and they, they've, you know, they're ignorant. Well, then don't expect them to understand why we should help asylum seekers like you do mm. if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, bait them with the, with the stick of being mm. un uneducated and ignorant. Because which one is it? Then yeah. pick it. Are we uneducated are we, and are we ignorant mm -hmm. or are we racist and bigots? Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? It's tailor-made depending on what that person needs to forward their own agenda in that current moment. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, like I'm not by any means excusing assault or anything like that. Yeah, it goes against everything I believe in as a person. But I just think, how are they, like, there's a, there's a Yates quote on the tip of my tongue and I can't find that and it literally sums up everything I want to say. I'll have to forward it on to Louis. Well, I'm afraid I can't help you with the Yates quote. <laughs> that, is, that is very much a TKB speciality. Um, TKB has all the best quotes, always. Um, you'll think of it later and you can text it to me will, and I'll throw it in into the, into the show notes. Um, I think it's really important to talk about these things because, and, and as I say, these are things that we have talked about on the podcast a lot because, you know, it's very easy to kind of write things off or decide things are black and white, but they never are. are are they? Yeah, and I think that's something that you explore so beautifully in your work, uh, TKB. I, mm -hmm. Like I think every show I've ever seen is so kind of multifaceted yeah. and multidimensional. Why is this only on for one night? I know. <laughs> so this is basically just a sneak peek. Okay. So the full production will be on next year. Okay. It's okay. just a like, development. So okay. yeah. we're still, you know, this is, so this is Tuesday. We started working on, on this with the cast yesterday. The first time they've seen the script, the first time they've, yeah. they've um, heard the music. We're showing this on Thursday. This yeah. is over an hour with over 10 songs. Yeah. With soundscape. This is fully in the. I'm saying all this and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but, you know, no, I'm getting it's, anxious it's a development and it's, um, and yeah, it's just a mixing pot of all our ideas with such a, 
such an, a, a well-thought-out and authentic uh, script. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Thomas played a blinder on that and even incredible did for the score as well. The score I can't wait. Like, well, this stunning. is the thing because I don't have a ticket and I really want to see this. But We'll get you in, babe. But yeah. that actually <laughs> isn't what I'm hinting at because, uh, you know, I would like everyone to see yeah. this. I would actually like everyone to see everything that either of you have ever done. <laughs> um, how do you think we can amplify more voices like yours? Like, can we get this kind of stuff on RTE? Like, would you have an interest in making stuff for TV? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Like, some of the stuff I've written already are kind of being developed for it. But, like, we would love that, obviously. And the talent in our area, like, mm. I make a point of any time there's a younger character in any of my plays, I will get a kid from the area who yeah. wants to act because... The ta- but like what the talent in that area for every mm-hmm. every one of us who've managed to do it as a career there are 10 people probably more talented who've just never had the resources or the support we've yeah, had like, yeah. you know? and we're so blessed to have it because you know if we had been like yeah you, it should have would have could have but like to come from where we've come from, and I don't, I don't we even mean geographically, I mean like across the board. Yeah. Um, and to get to where we are, you have to have a, a different type of fire in your belly. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I feel very lucky for that um, and to have the support to, to push that on. Yeah. But yeah, I would love, like, I mean, that's the dream. I want, I want us to be portrayed in the right way because, you know, like, it's I'm not from the theatre world and I'm not from the acting world and I and so I'm coming from a place of not really absorbing the the technique the talent or the skill but I only absorb the authenticity because I don't know much more mm. than that right mm. and I find it very hard to find something where there's not a crack in it where I can go oh that's the way they would have said that, or that's not the way that would have happened. Yeah. yeah. And that's just that's just coming from my perspective. Yeah. I'm not saying that's across the board that yeah. for everybody else. But when I read Thomas's script, I'm like, why am I why am I so um excited, shocked, and totally just like blown away that this is something that I'm reading that I'm not watching played out in front of my eyes. Because the only time that I'm ever able to experience is that is when I'm locked in the emotion and the pain of it. And to watch something from a distance and see it from a different perspective, there's so much that comes with that. And I feel like it would do an awful lot of healing for people if they could watch something like that without going through it. Mm. Authentically and truly, truly see what they've gone through and yeah. come, come from. And just on a positive note, you can feel a shift in the area, can't you? Like when Absolutely. you look at, like I get even emotion even thinking when you look at like Kelly winning the gold and all of those other titles, and you look at like Barry being up for an Oscar and his BAFTA speech, but like that I was just bawling yeah. when he dedicated it to the it kids of the area, yeah. you know? Yeah. I've, something is shifting. Yeah. You can feel it, can't you? Yeah. The kids are starting to believe they're every bit as good, if not better, than everyone else out yeah. there you know what I mean well it's that whole see it be it thing I mean mm-hmm. it's a cliche but it's true like mm-hmm. how can yeah. you believe that you can win an Oscar if you can't see someone like you winning an Oscar but there you go like there you or go. a Golden Globe or you know an Olympic gold medal or whatever it is and it, it's, it's cliche but it's so true the first moment I ever saw Boys Home on the Late Late Show I remember thinking he's from around the corner oh, my, my man and dad is friends with his man and dad and I was like I can do I that. I can do it. Yeah. That I can get there. Yeah. And I always think of that. Like I always think oh, of them, you know, dancing with their with their tops off in their jeans, you know. Yeah. That, that, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, yeah, like my man and dad knew his man and dad, and I always knew that I was 
you know, and my dad used to bring me around to, he's, and he was never there. My dad used to bring bring me around to the Gately's house yeah. to get stuff signed and all that. You know, he's always on tour, but yeah. I remember thinking, I'm breathing the same air that yeah. he's breathing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like accessible now, like, yeah. and every single person from Shire Street, no matter who it was, claimed that Stephen Gately babysat them. <laughs> Didn't they? <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but just seeing that, yeah. to just have that within reach, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it was totally. so. I never forget when he died, Lord rest him. It was just like it was like a safe funeral in Shire Street. You it know was, what I mean? He was yeah. so loved and idolised. And you're right, that was kind of the force, wasn't it? Mm. Was that force kind of? Obviously, we had like, you know, it was the first, I think, pop star. Yeah. Really, you know? And even do you remember Buffalo G? Yeah. Girl, take two girls from Dublin, <laughs> stir it around with trouble in. Yeah. Sugar and spice is always nice, but that's not us, we're bubbling. bubbling. Excuse me, don't mean to be rude. Don't, shout out to Olive Tucker. That literally came up with my TikTok the other day, and oh I was my like, oh my God, oh, I'm like stunning. Something <laughs> <laughs> oh, but honestly, I remember seeing them as well, and being yeah. she was in the same dance school as me, yeah. yeah. and I went to our sister's, our, my first dance class ever I did was her sister, Sandra. Yeah. And stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it helps. It do, it's not absolutely necessary yeah. because it's not to say that if you can't see it, you can't be it. Mm. But it really, really helps when you can yeah. see it, yeah. you know? How do you feel about the fact that you two were probably a bit of that for some kids in your area right now? <sighs> Sparkling. When yeah, you say that, I feel... I feel... I, <laughs> spark, I feel sparkles because, yeah. honestly, like, to think that... You know what... I, it's when you look at kids that have so much talent and so much going for them and it's not when you think about them going somewhere it's when you think about them not getting to go somewhere just because of Mm. a really simple thing that wasn't available to them or wasn't encouraged yeah Mm. so yeah it makes me think of imagine imagine like imagine the of our nanny's generation imagine the amount of heart and soul that you know, was probably lost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not not lost. It, it mm. existed then, but the memory yeah. of it is lost because it wasn't recorded. It wasn't yeah. platformed. It wasn't staged. All of the potential art and beauty that died with them. Yeah. Because they didn't know how to harvest or manifest yeah. their talents. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But it's weird you saying that because I, I think this is why I'm a bit full on and intense sometimes. Well, aside from the neurodivergence, but... <laughs> I still see myself as that kid who yeah. comes from fuck all, who has to come out swinging, who has to defend themselves, who has to fucking wade through the waters mm. to get even the tiniest scrap of work. You know what I mean? So I sit now, don't get me wrong. The kids who are into the arts and all of my ear, they know they can approach us. They know that we want to be what we didn't have to yeah. them, you know? Yeah. But I just still don't see myself as that. I still see myself as this... 12-year-old with a gay lisp singing Whitney Houston well, swinging. maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe that contributes Piece to the, the fire, fire in your belly. belly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Great minds think alike, Gemma. Yeah. And the dress the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, lads, um, best of luck on Thursday. Uh, so actually, as you are listening to this, the show has already happened, but it's going to be back, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. So keep your Full eyes production. and ears peeled. He sits of a Thursday. TKB and Gemma Dunleavy, thank you so thank much. He sits of a Tuesday. <laughs> Did I say Thursday? You said Thursday. Sorry. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Time to talk celebrities now. We are joined once again by Emer McLeisett. She was gone for a while, busy doing her book stuff, um, but she's back and I'm so glad she's back because there's no one else I would want to talk to about you two in a big, giant light-up sphere in Las Vegas or the new Beyonce film or the Stevie Nicks Barbie or any of the other things that we talked about this week. Well, it has been a while since we have had the beautiful, the wonderful, the intelligent, the erudite, the articulate Emer McLeisett, sparkling Emer <laughs> McLeisett in this slot on the podcast. You've been flat out, what with the old ashing book coming out yeah and um, how 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 did it all go it went really well it's the last book in the series and obviously we were worried about like letting people down yeah because people i think have certain ideas yeah. about how stories well finish. they have a relationship with yeah. the characters so we yeah. were kind of worried would there be a bit of, like of a backlash if some people weren't like team this or team that or they wanted this but there's been none of that yeah so it's great that's good yeah and yeah I think it's gone really well. Well, I've said on the podcast, I started crying like the minute I finished it. (laughs) I didn't cry like throughout, just like uh, as I read the last line, the tears just started coming and I was like, what is this about? (laughs) It just was like, I couldn't even connect what the the feelings were. It's the same last line as the first book. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Or almost exactly the same well, last maybe that Maybe yeah. subconsciously I knew that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure you've all read it. Um, it's been great to see it around the place. It's I've called, been in I lots of situations where... Ashling Ever After. <laughs> I was like, what's it called? <laughs> well, you have five titles to remember. Yeah. That's not easy going. Anyway, I'm so glad that we have you back to talk celebs because I love it. And I know that our friends who are listening also love it. And we have loads to talk about. Let's start in the sphere in Las Vegas. Oh, I wish we were there right now. I do too. Yeah. I was so casual about it before and now that I've seen it I'm like I want to be there well we both grew up in U2 household yes so I I think my first album what when I was like four or five like a, a birthday present or something was a, a U2 album yeah so I feel deeply connected to U2 Same. and I'm an I'm a Bono apologist yeah like people me too. be like oh he's a pox etc etc I'm like Give him a break. Yeah, what do you want from him? Exactly. What do, what do were, people want from him? If you were the though? lead singer of arguably like the biggest band in the world over the past how many number of decades, wouldn't you be a little bit weird? <laughs> yeah, like he's a bit poncy. That's part of his role as yeah. a frontman of a rock and roll band. And like, yes, he has tried to do good stuff while simultaneously being very rich. Like, I just don't see what the problem is. Yeah. Genuinely. Like, yeah, and people are like, oh, it's typical begrudgery. It's like, I just think it's, I mean, he has notions, but yeah, like, totally. I would, if I had a 
one twentieth of his wealth. Yeah. I'd be unbearable. Oh my God, same, <laughs> same. So anyway, anyway, that's yes. it. So bottom So just to way, give you a bit of, a bit of context yeah. for where Emer and I are coming from in this conversation. So we're both on site. So the sphere is a this massive, would you call it an arena? And uh, It looks a, kind of like Epcot Center, except giant. Yeah, so it's a giant sphere, giant yeah. bowl in the in the middle of um the Las Vegas strip. It's kind of connected to the Venetian hotel and resort that's there. I heard Annie Mac said it was it reminded her of Legoland, just yeah. to give other references. Yeah, it's kind of a bizarre looking thing because yeah. it really rises from the kind of Las Vegas skyline yeah. and when it's lit up. So it's basically like something like a million and a half LED lights, which up close look like hockey pucks. So it's like this network of hockey pucks. And the lights are on the outside of the sphere. They're also on the inside. And that's where you 2 come into it. So you 2 were the band kind of chosen to open the sphere as a concert venue. Yeah. And they started at the weekend. And they're doing, it was the first of 25 shows I think they're doing. So yeah. kind of a mini residency in Las Vegas. It goes on until December. And it looks incredible. It looks incredible. I saw several TikToks. I gasped. I was yeah. like, oh my God. So See, I actually skipped over them because I'm too bitter. I Okay. It's like I can't I can't look yeah I get that like it part just, of me is like should I take thousands of euro out of my savings account and bring me and my dad to Las Vegas I I did think of your dad Louise's dad is a, is a super YouTube fan and I've been to a YouTube concert with Louise and her dad yeah. um, listen I'll go with you if you're going I'll go with you <laughs> I'm like really really tempted. I was looking at tickets listen if you're thinking you want a ticket it's mostly sold out although I would sorry to interrupt now just it's, allow me to finish this thought why am I taking money out of my savings account? Yeah, why my dad doesn't have any kids to pay for. Yeah. Why aren't we taking money out of my dad's savings yeah, account? Why isn't he bringing you? He should be bringing me. He can bring me as well if he wants. He's listening. <laughs> Rory, why are you not taking money out Rory, of your we'll savings? We'll pay for the hotel. Why are we not going to Las Vegas? We'll pay for the hotel. Hotels in Vegas are notorious for well, good value. <laughs> I will tell you, I had genuinely considered, like when this big announcement came, I had considered buying tickets for him, but he hates Las Vegas. Okay. So on that basis, I was like, oh, he hates Vegas. But now that it's this, as special as it is I think maybe I went we to need Vegas, to revisit the I went to Vegas once for 24 hours I loved it I thought I've never I was, been I thought I was to going go. to hate it I was like oh it just looks really tacky yeah. although like I'm not into like gambling but I was there for 24 hours because I was visiting another friend in Arizona and then I had other friends are going to be in Vegas so I flew up for 24 yeah. hours that sounds like so glamorous <laughs> <laughs> you and are so glamorous I loved it yeah. I really loved it see I love tack I yeah. think I had a great time it wasn't even it was just really good fun yeah like I don't know. I just, anyway, so maybe we'll go to Vegas. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you two opened it. Um, it's kind of an Octon Baby tour. Yeah. Um, like they, I think they toured the Joshua Tree was the last time I think I saw them live in Croke Park. And so this was Octon Baby, but they're doing other songs as well. So you, was the was the three arena not the last the group possibly. of gigs they did in the three arena was that not the last time? I can't remember. I know they all they've all mixed up in my head as well. But anyway, yeah. Um. Few few dimensions, three hundred and sixty six feet tall, five hundred and sixteen feet wide. To put that into context, it's the size, uh, it's the height of the Empire State Building from the very base to the very wow. tip of the torch. So, it's high. Mm. Um, a CNN journalist wrote a really good kind of review of the whole thing, kind of you know warts and all of what's good, what's bad, and they were like immersive is like you know the buzzword mm. it's really immersive it's like being surrounded by an IMAX screen kind of above you and around mm. you one of the TikToks I saw it kind of looked like the 
ceiling of the sphere was coming down, but it's just a light effect. Yeah. There was another segment which really took my breath away, which was when they were doing Streets of No Name and it looks like you're in kind of the desert, yeah. which is where they filmed part of Under a Blood Red Sky, which yeah. was um, the live album you two did yeah. a good while ago. So it just looked amazing, like yeah. quite breathtaking. Oh, I really want to go. Yeah. And P- I saw like, oh, why you two? Why were they the ones? Like, why not why you two? Why not? And you two have been at the forefront of so many innovations. Like if you think back, I don't know, if you're old enough, you can remember Zoo TV, which was a tour they did where they had like their whole stage was TV screens and nobody else was doing that at the time. The Giant Lemon. Giant Lemon for the Pop Mart tour. I think that was the first U2 concert I went to where they had, and people were like, oh, who do they think they are, the Giant Lemon? Like that would be nothing today. Like look at the way concerts are put on today. And... I just think they're they're a great band. I think Coldplay would have been another natural choice to yeah. have. And people are like, imagine seeing Coldplay because Coldplay do a very immersive yeah. concert experience anyway. Lights with lights. on the wrists and yeah. all that crack. Um, but it just looks amazing. Now, a few things that the CNN reporter did say, he said at times it felt like the audience weren't really in the performance because they were kind of mesmerized. Right. And there, it looks... I was wondering that, would you be distracted from the actual band yeah. and the music? And I mean, you can't really see... Like, the band is tiny compared to the sphere. So it's like... I, You know the way the ABBA experience, ABBA Voyage, I think yeah. that's in London, just outside London, and it's their holograms mm. of ABBA. And I was like you probably could do that in the sphere with you too. Like, does it really matter if the... I mean, it does matter that the band are there. It makes yeah. a difference. But it's more about the spectacle, maybe, yeah. than the band. Although he did say they did an acoustic set of a few songs and that made it much more intimate. And yeah. it seemed like the sphere lights were kind of less... <laughs> It does on. feel like we're in a new kind of phase of live music because, yeah. it, you know... Taylor Swift's show was such a huge spectacle. I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it in the cinema um, because I didn't get tickets. No, me neither. But, um, (laughs) you know, such a huge spectacle and um, seemed to be like our friend Sean went and he was up in the very, like the highest seats he could possibly get. And he said he actually thought he'd get a great seat because it's designed at such a scale that it doesn't really matter that you're not up close to her and you can't see her. Abba Voyage, as you said, is holograms. This one, you know, is 360 screens. Yeah. So like, it does seem like the actual bonds themselves are becoming less less important I know I know them. but at the same time I guess if if you two weren't in the actual sphere it would reduce yeah the experience a bit yeah and it's not I mean it's definitely better than the way it used to be which was that if you were far away from the band and you couldn't see that oh, was yeah. just you know especially at an arena show if you're like on standing on the ground you, I mean I remember we went to see One Direction years ago yeah. we were like let's have a gal's day out and I still to this day I'm like they literally could have got, yeah. picked five men off the street and put them up there and we wouldn't have known because we couldn't see them and we were like whatever well we'd also had many drinks but that's neither Crutching here nor there and nagging that was the day, the day Valerie Loftus the day Barry Keown came on to our friend Fiona <laughs> and asked her for her phone number despite the fact that he was very much a teenager um, what a time to be alive what a time Oscar uh, nominee Barry Keown yeah <laughs> Could have predicted that I, I mean we really didn't know yeah. I mean so yeah anywho. I mean that's the sphere uh there's pl- they have a few other plans for it there's going to be a film I think this weekend Postcards from Earth which is by Darren Aronofsky and that's going to be like an immersive mm. the like you're basically going to be like inside the earth I think yeah the sphere from the outside I saw some really fun TikToks like they're able to to kind of put anything on the outside like so they do a lot of emojis they mm. do like a huge eyeball yeah I, I'd imagine it's going to be a massive ad campaign for a lot of things I saw someone saying like imagine you live nearby (laughs) be 
<laughs> like lying in your bed trying to sleep with the sphere just like looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Although I think where it's placed, it's probably mostly hotels and yeah. resorts that are nearby. Yeah. So if you're going to Las Vegas hoping for like some lovely dark shut yeah. eye, I mean, you're probably in the wrong place. Yes, exactly. But well, yeah, I mean, it looks great. I'd love to go. Same. Um, I'm into you it. You two seem to have had a great time. Interesting, I saw that uh, Larry Mullen wasn't playing. I think he's injured possibly. So they had a, a mm. guest drummer oh. playing. Would, I, would you feel let down if you went and Larry Mullen wasn't there? Not really. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, no, so no offense, Larry Mullen. I would just get on with it, though. You that's know what true, I mean? Yeah, if Larry Mullen's injuries injured, Larry Mullen's injured, and he true. should take the time he needs. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. And one other thing I was like, you know, if you go to a concert or an outdoor concert and it's very bright, mm. it kind of takes away from the experience a little bit. Mm. A lot of the sphere stuff looked like they were making it look like it was kind of daylight. Mm. And I was like, would that, would that feel a little bit weird? I don't know. Do you know what they should do? They should send me and you. Oh, yeah. And then we <laughs> could report back. That's That would be a good idea. I mean, yeah, it is. They, bought, <laughs> they did bring some people, you know. From Ireland? Yeah. Oh. They did, yeah. I couldn't help but wonder if I had, if I was still in 2FM, could it have been me? Oh. You know, yeah, it was it was tough for me. I'm not oh, going to lie. No, Happy for Tracy Clifford who went, obviously. I but, know you, you know. Would have brought your dad as your plus I, one, but I'd like to think Oh, I don't think I there were be... plus ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they went that far. Didn't look like it anyway. Listen, maybe we'll go. Anywho, we, have, we have until December. <laughs> we have spent 12 minutes talking about the sphere. Okay, okay. <laughs> let's move on, move let's on. move on. Um, I suppose this is kind of related um, in terms of the way that music is prove- progressing because Beyonce announced the renaissance film which is very exciting yeah because you know we haven't had any visuals whatsoever for the renaissance album um, and if you didn't get to go and see her live which fortunately we did that was another that was one of those take money out of the savings account and just do <laughs> yeah, it yeah we uh, saw moments. her in cardiff we saw her over in cardiff, the summer and you you know you haven't seen any any visuals at all for this aside from what's been on tiktok yeah and typically beyonce not typically but several times beyonce has kind of dropped this surprise visual project that goes along with an album yeah. she did for Lemonade which was incredible yeah. and at midnight you were like oh my yeah. god there's a whole new Beyonce film <laughs> um so I'm not that surprised that there's a renaissance film um I think it's gonna be really great like as I said we saw her in Cardiff but even like and we had fairly good tickets we were mm. kind of gold circle which I think mm. was kind of you know the third best yeah. ticket you could get and I felt like we missed a lot of the visuals even that were on the stage because we weren't head on yeah and so and you kind of needed to be a bit further away, I think, to take in the full picture. Yeah, we were a bit yeah. close, so we could we could see her kind of glistening with sweat, yeah. but we couldn't see the whole experience. Yeah. And there were a lot of props and visuals for mm-hmm. the Renaissance tour, so I'm glad that we get to see it. Me too. On the big screen, um, this is the same. So it's a- AMC Cinemas are distributing and you know have done the deal with Beyonce. And interesting that they're also doing the Taylor Swift film, mm. which is coming out sooner. That's out on October 13th which is next Friday and I just think it's going to be great I love behind the scenes like gasping for behind the scenes me too me too when she did the homecoming was it the homecoming album where there was some kind of troubling stuff in it where she basically starved herself to get ready for Coachella and it was like oh this isn't a great message to be sending so I'm hoping there won't be more of that, yeah. but um, I really love behind the scenes Beyonce and the trailer. We see little glimpses of the. Family. I mean, it's kind of feel kind of voyeuristic of me, but I'm like, oh, look at the little toddler. I know, me too, but like, but I think you don't have to feel so voyeuristic because the film is by Beyonce. Yeah, like Beyonce makes these films herself. She's involved in the edit. She like she is involved in every single aspect of it. So 
I think you can kind of feel comfortable enough. You're like, this is what they have chosen to share. Yeah. Um, and obviously, Blue has been on stage with her all summer. Her oh, eldest so daughter. Up, yeah. and, I mean, have you seen the TikToks of her like first night versus the last yes. night? She grows so Yeah, yeah. God, you just have to love it. Um, also, Renaissance, the album is like famously kind of for and by to a certain extent kind of the LGD, LGBTQ plus community the black community so I feel like that's definitely going to be represented and highlighted mm. in the film she says she wants to create a place where everyone is free and nobody is judged mm. and I just think it's going to be beautiful it's out on December 1st people are like oh where's it going to be out in Ireland AMC owns the Odeon cinema chain here in Ireland so it'll definitely be there and I know the lighthouse is definitely showing the Taylor Swift film as well so I mean it would you would assume that they will also be showing Beyonce. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can't wait. Be a great experience. Oh my god, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, Stevie Nicks has a Barbie. Stevie Nicks, who doesn't? I know. <laughs> That's a fair question. Yeah, this is kind of fun. Stevie Nicks was playing in Madison Square Garden over the weekend, and she was like, "I have a little surprise," and she revealed that. She has her own Barbie mm. and like Barbie have been making celebrity dolls for decades. So mm. This isn't a new thing, but um, it's just fun. The people, they kind of choose and decide who mm. to make into a Barbie. And it does look like a young Stevie Nicks. Yeah. Um, so um, she's obviously from Fleetwood Mac and Rumours is one of their most, you know, well-known albums. And on the album cover, she's wearing this like black kind of floaty outfit and these black boots so they recreated her yeah. in that outfit and she actually sent them the outfit which she still has yeah I thought it was cool that she gave them feedback that yeah. they sent her a doll and she said the eyebrows were too arched and the eye makeup needed to she said I said you need to raise that dark eyeshadow above the fold in her eye and that will fix it and, yeah. and it does look like it her it does look like her yeah and I mean these kind of dolls they're collector's items I yeah. don't really think anyone well you never know but I don't think anyone's going to be buying this to play with it um and I think it's kind of clever on Barbie's part. So it's not like Barbie needs any more, you know, promotion this year, this the year of the Barbie movie. But um, I think it kind of, you know, people who are into Barbie want to own this doll. People who are into Fleetwood Mac want to own this doll. And people yeah. who've never considered Barbie before are like, oh, I want the Stevie Nicks yeah, Barbie. Yeah, it's a good so crossover. It's I good know cross- several people I would buy it for as a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, they have, you can get an Elvis Barbie doll, you can get a David Bowie one, but it's actually Barbie dressed as David Bowie, which I think is really interesting. Oh, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of Barbie in costume, yeah. which I think is interesting. Love that. But yeah, love it. Um, Joshua Jackson and Jodie Turner-Smith are divorcing. Now, I feel like there may be some people who actually don't know about this couple. Mm. Um, like Jodie Turner-Smith, definitely a who, uh, to use Who Weekly's yeah. uh parlance um but anybody who did know about this couple I think will probably be devastated to hear that I they're breaking know. up I didn't know about this breakup until you said to me yesterday will yeah. we talk about this breakup and I was like mm. yeah. so Joshua Jackson Pacey from Dawson's Creek his yeah. most iconic role has been married to Jodie Turner-Smith since 2019 I think kind of a whirlwind romance they only met in, in 2018 and got married quite quickly mm. they have a three-year-old daughter I was trying to think about why people love this couple. And I think there's a couple of things. A, people love him. Mm-hmm. He, I don't think he's ever put a foot wrong, really. <laughs> he used to go, he went out with Diane Kruger for years. I, mean, I remember when they split up, I was like, oh, yeah. they were such an amazing couple. And they just, but anyway, they split up. And he You just went, never hear a bad word about him. Never. And he just seems like a really nice guy. And he's very hot. Yeah. <laughs> she is like super cool. She, so beautiful. So beautiful. She was in the Zane Pillow Talk uh, video. Mm-hmm. Any Zane fans? That's One Direction Zane, by the way. <laughs> Direction Zane. And when they got together, it was just kind of like they were super cool. I was glad he was happy after the Diane Kruger split. Mm. I was worried about him. But they haven't lasted. 
Well, see, uh, for me, like I didn't pay a huge amount of attention. And then I heard they did a joint interview with Forbes in last year. And he was talking about her and the way he talked mm. about her, the joy it is to watch her be in the process and be becoming a mother and how honored I feel to be next to her, to witness it, to watch it grow, to hopefully nurture it in its growth. I love how empowered my wife is inside of that fashion space, how much it is a source of joy that bleeds into her home life as well. I love watching my wife be able to be uplifted and celebrated and seeing how fed she is by that makes me a very, very happy man when I get to see that. I mean, like, it's just like, doesn't everyone want someone to talk about them like that? I was looking back at some of his Instagram Instagram captions. Thank you for the depth of grace you have found since her daughter has arrived and I was a little bit getting sick in my mouth but yeah you know. no it's like it's a lot she and she proposed to him I think in 20 mm. they were on holidays in Nicaragua of course they were <laughs> and you know just beautiful beautiful but from what I'm reading she, it, this is her decision oh. and up until only a couple of weeks ago they were posting like they've done quite a bit of sponsored they content. were at the Valentino show yeah. Together, ho- yeah. hand in hand there. Yeah, so it seems, I don't know, is has it been coming and they've been putting on a good show? They've done some kind of classy um, ad campaigns together, some sponsored content mm. together, like Old Navy and a couple, you know, kind of nice stuff. J. Crew, I think. They have, yeah. J. Crew, sorry, yeah, that was it. And yeah, it's just kind of surprising that, yeah. they, that they split up. And I, in my head, he's devastated. Mm. And she has just kind of like, I've outgrown you, darling. It's time for me to move on. Mm. Yeah, but the fact that they were kind of photographed together recently hopefully means that they're on good terms and they can just... Yeah. One thing I did not know, his mother from Ballyfermot. Yeah, yeah, I learned that recently. Um, isn't that great? It's great. Now, because get... apparently he used to be around Ballyfermot. Like, as Probably. A, yeah, there's stories about him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so his mother's from Ballyfermot. She emigrated to the US in the late 1960s. So she's been there a while. But yeah. Probably a lot of family back in Ballyfermot. I think, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, sorry, I knew he talked about it. Um, my mom, my memories of Ballyfermot are sweet. I was always running around with the neighborhood kids. Um, well, that's that's what kids do. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, I was always running around with the neighborhood kids, getting into trouble. Not bad trouble, just little kid trouble. Although technically it's where I smoked my first cigarette. So that in <laughs> itself isn't the sweetest memory. And then he's talking about his mom. He said, she might prefer if I'd say she was from Chapel, is it? <laughs> I love it. The snootiness. Love it. Um, and then just before we finish up, uh, just to acknowledge Pamela Anderson going to Fashion Week and not wearing a speck of makeup the entire time. Yeah. Iconic. Yeah. She, ever since her documentary, which is so great. Is it Netflix it's on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she is just such, a, she just seems like such a lovely person who yeah. has really co- like come to terms with who she is. Yeah. And, you know, she's been through a lot. Mm. Um, but what I didn't realize is her, her decision to go makeup free has been largely influenced by the fact that her makeup artist died yeah. um, of breast cancer recently. And after that, she, felt, she said, it just didn't feel right to be wearing makeup if she wasn't putting it on me, no. which was gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I have, I'm a little, the whole going makeup free, sometimes I'm a bit like, yeah, but if you're a beauty, it's not that hard when Alicia Keys decided to go make makeup free as well. And I was like, yeah, but if you look like Alicia Keys with no makeup, <laughs> it's not really that much of a hardship. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, but I think the fact that Pamela Anderson has been so known for so long for the cosmetic alterations she made to her body. Mm. And now she really does look like a woman who's leaning into aging. And she does have like, I mean, her makeup looks are iconic, like the dark smoky eye and the nude lip. And like, you know, people are still recreating those looks yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I think it is kind of a big a big move yeah. and I love it yeah and if you haven't seen that documentary highly recommend it and yeah, it's gorgeous um, we actually did uh, myself and Jen Gannon uh, did a Patreon episode about it 
months ago when it came out, which is there on the Patreon. If you are signed up and you haven't listened to it, you might want to listen to it after you watch. Well, Emer, thank you so much. Wonderful chats this week. Thanks for um, having me. Where can people find you? I'm at Emer the Screamer, kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Instagram mostly. And I'm, of course, you can read her in the Irish Times of a Friday. Oh yes, of a Friday. And Ashling Ever After is out now. Yeah. If you haven't bought it or read it, or indeed if you've never read an Ashling book, read all five. Honestly do though, because <laughs> it, they're such a treat. I've said it a million times, like a warm hug of a book. Emer, thanks a million. Thank you. Now it is just about time for me to go, but before I do, I have some recommendations for you and I actually do have some recommendations because when I was doing my colonoscopy prep, I was like, you're going to be up a lot tonight, Louise, and you need something to watch. And you know when you're kind of like, I would just want something like relatively self-contained that I can get into immediately. Um, And I was looking through Disney Plus and I saw that they had high fidelity um, you may remember the John Cusack film High Fidelity from years ago, but a couple of years ago they made a TV series called High Fidelity based around the same thing, a record shop owner um, kind of reviewing uh, her love life. But this time it was a woman and that woman is Zoe Kravitz, who is the lead in um, the TV series. It's only 10 episodes. They're kind of 20 to 30 minutes. I've really enjoyed it. It's set in Chicago, um, which I also enjoy because I love Chicago. Um, And the cast is great. The music in it is obviously great. It's easy to digest. Um, I just, yeah, I loved it. Loved it, loved it. And you get to look at Zoe Kravitz and like... Is there a more beautiful person than Zoe Kravitz? I'm just not sure there is. And um, so that's on Disney Plus. As I said, 10 episodes. It was cancelled after the one series, which I think is a real shame. But I, that also kind of means it's it's small and perfectly formed. So I would recommend that. I've also been reading um, Tell Me What I Am, which is a novel by Una Mannion. I'm doing an event at the Redline Book Festival on October 21st. Um, if you want to come and see. And Una is one of the people that I am going to be talking to on that panel um, and so I was sent her book to read as part of preparation for that panel discussion but I absolutely just got oh, so bad into it I read 120 pages in one sitting it is so good it's exactly the kind of book that I really like which kind of takes you to another place a world that is really different to yours and um, even though parts of the book are, are set in a totally relatable setting and um, there are also sections of it that are in a kind of completely different setting completely different age completely different type of person than you would normally be with and um, there's also kind of a mystery at the heart of the book um I feel like I'm not describing it well, but uh, but I loved it. There's elements of it that kind of reminded me of where the crawdads sing, um, but there's also an Irish aspect to this. Um, I'm just loving it. I'm loving it. Um, as I say, I think I've done a bad job of describing it, but if you're looking for a book to read, Tell Me What I Am by Una Mannion. If you Google it, you'll get a better <laughs> get a better description from someone who is used to describing books. Um, but, uh, but I am just, yeah, massively, massively loving it. And Una is an author who's actually born in Philadelphia but lives in Sligo now in Ireland. So um, she has the Irish and the American, which both come through in the book. So there you go. Those are my recommendations for you. Please, again... Get a ticket and come and join me in Limerick. It is coming soon. It's in just a week and a half. We're going to have a great time. Um, I'm also going to be coming, don't forget, on St. Bridget's Day in February to the Everyman in Cork, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm going to make that like a super amped up um, celebration of women. Uh, Really, really looking forward to that. So those tickets are available now as well. 
Otherwise, uh, if you want to join me on the Patreon, do. There's going to be a new mailbag episode up this week. Don't forget that if you want to give me feedback, thoughts, opinions, concerns, things you'd just like to talk about. Maybe you have feelings about the Beyonce film. Maybe you have feelings about the Taylor Swift film. Maybe you have feelings about Stevie Nicks Barbie. Maybe you have feelings just in general. If you want advice, I mean, genuinely, I'll take anything. Um, do send it to me. The number is 089-209-6423. That's 089-209-6423. I really, really want to hear from you. And then I will be using your contributions as the basis for the mailbag episode, which will be live this week on the Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Thank you so much to Acast and all my contributors. I will be back with you next week. I hope you have a good week in the meantime. If not, just put one foot in front of the other and we'll get there together. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.